0: From the tennis world, today is Tuesday, December 27th. I've got a few scattered thoughts for all of you listeners. Before we truly kick off our coverage of the 2023 ATP and WTA seasons, tomorrow, of course, it's crazy to get to say this out loud. But folks, we have our first Tour level event of the year beginning on Wednesday. Of course, that event is a joint WTA event, the inaugural United Cup kicking off in Australia on Wednesday. I believe it's 12 different countries represented at this event. Haven't quite done my research yet for United Cup, rest assured that will come over the course of the next 24 hours, but Anytime we get to see the best players in the world compete, anytime we get to see them compete in a team atmosphere as well. You know that's something we're excited for here at Crack Racket. So rest assured, as soon as play in this 2023 season begins, we'll get back to our daily routine here at CR. I would also point out if you missed last week's episodes, David Kane and I drafted our ideal WTA roster of players in 2023. He's going going to be joining me either Tuesday night or Wednesday. Not sure when the podcast is going to be released, but sometime over the next 24 hours, David Kane will be joining me to do an ATP equivalent draft. I also want to talk about the players who I think 2023 is most consequential for. Not quite sure if that's going to be a solo podcast or if I will have a guest joining me, but rest assured that's coming up over the course of the next 72 days however many days, hours, whatever you however you want to say before the start of next week is the message I'm trying to communicate to all of you listeners. I also am going to lock him in now. I'm fairly certain he will be joining me. Ben Rothenberg, who, of course, is a returning champion here at Cracked Rackets, but who I believe did not make an appearance thus far in 2022 here on this show. I believe he's going to be joining me at some point this week to make some predictions about American men's and women's tennis in 2023. All of this is to say we've got plenty of fun content coming up for all of you listeners. If you've missed any of our college tennis preview pods, head on over to our Great Shot podcast feed. We've previewed teams ranked 10 through 5, 10 through 4, no, 10 through 5 in our preseason top 10 poll thus far. Still four schools left to go on the men's and women's side. Chris Hallioris, John Parsons, of course, joining me for each of those preview podcasts, all of them available Again, over on the Great Shot podcast feed, by the way, have also had a couple of outstanding Cracked Interviews podcasts of late Rajiv Ram, who reached world number one double status earlier this season, joined me last week to discuss all sorts of things related to his career, including how he felt about the decision that he was excluded from the final round of Davis Cup here this past season. Also here on Tuesday, I was joined by the lovely Jamie Loeb to discuss her prolific collegiate and pro career, what she plans on accomplishing in 2023 and so much more. Needless to say, plenty, again, of outstanding content coming your way as Cracked Rackets. Listener, shout out as always to our super producer, Daniel Westhoff, who even during the holiday season finds the time to edit all these shows. And speaking of holiday season... Happy belated Hanukkah, happy belated or merry, I should say, belated Christmas, happy Kwanzaa to all of you out there celebrating a happy early New Year to you each as well. Hopefully you have all gotten to spend as much quality time with your own families as I have been able to do over the course of the past week. That is, I won't lie, a little sneak behind the curtain why maybe we've had a few fewer mini break podcasts of late. I get distracted when I've got my two brothers who I do not get to spend nearly as much time with as I have in the past right beside me. You want to hang out with them. You want to do things that, you know, brothers like to do. So with that said, though, I've had enough quality brother time. That's not true. You can never have too much quality brother time, but I think I'm going to be able to find more of a balance over the course of this week, spending time with them, spending time with my lovely parents as well, who deserve a shout out. My mom now joining us here down in Florida now that she's done with her weekend call. Uh, I'm going to spend some time with the family, of course, still over the course of the next week, but we're ready to rock and roll. You know, ready to rock and roll. Excuse me. My batteries are recharged and I can't even speak English because I'm so... So excited for this 2023 season to begin. That said, again, content over on the GSP. I think we've had a new Great Shot podcast episode every Monday through Friday, every day here in the month of December. So we're still cranking there. Again, cracked interviews, podcasts available. But we're ready to get the mini break rocking and rolling as well. And with that in mind, just a few scattered thoughts for all of you listeners here today. I want to offer some final thoughts on the World Tennis League. Obviously that. Inaugural event comes to its conclusion. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I thought there actually were a few takeaways for all of us to perhaps glean from the event that I want to get into here today, but that's going to be, you know, the opening segment, I suppose, of the show. I want to offer some WTL thoughts. I want to get into Jeff Sackman's Tennis 128 series, which, if you have not been reading, I mean, it's Tuesday, December 27th, so we've still got, I guess, one day before United Cup begins, but about four, five, six days before we really get that WTA ATP 2023 schedule kicking off. And so I highly implore all of you, if you're looking for a little end-of-year reading, not going to find better tennis-centric content than that Tennis 128 series. I want to talk about some of the highlights, some of, I suppose... My qualms with the exercise, I don't have really have any qualms with the exercise, just disagreements. And for what it's worth, I am planning to have Jeff Sackman on the show to discuss this Tennis 128 series. But he and Carl Bialik, if you haven't heard, did a podcast summarizing the entire series. Really, really good piece of content. You know how reticent I am to promote non cracked rackets content here at CR. It's in my contract. Shout out to Alton Thienemann. That's not true at all, but don't let the truth get in the way of a good joke. The point is I do want to offer some highlights because if there's good tennis content, I know it's our job here at Crack Rackets to point you to it. Tennis 128, one of those things. And then last but not least, it's a topic we've dove, we have breached this up. I mean, we've discussed I suppose superficially before, and it's still going to say superficial for now because I think these sorts of conversations are always best when you have someone else to play off of. But I want to talk about the toxicity of the pickleball versus tennis debate and how I think the way the discourse has gotten is just absurd between these two sports that, in truth, should be fam- you know should be family with one another. Right? Growth in pickleball should hopefully manifest growth in tennis and people who are interested in pickleball probably do have some sort of background interest in tennis, or hopefully at least they do. I want to discuss how I think things have gone so astray and how we can rein them back in to make sure that both pickleball and de- tennis benefit from each each other's presence moving forward. So again, scattered thoughts. As you can tell already here in this intro, we're eight minutes in. I don't have anything too monumental to discuss here on today's show. I suppose this podcast is sort of me working off, dusting off the cobwebs, making sure I still have my mini break chops uh, about me. But again, few scattered thoughts before we get into the start of the 2023 ATP and WTA season. Something that, again, remains crazy to say out loud, of course, before we get into those few scattered thoughts. A shout out, as always, to our dear friends at Tennis Point. It is never too late to buy a gift for a tennis-centric person in your life or with the turn of the new year. Maybe you've gone hard here in the month of December. I'll tell you what. I've been hitting the gym for two-a-days over the course of the past two weeks. I'm going to get lean and mean. I'm already... I suppose lean, but I'm not mean and I need some muscles to be mean. So that's my goal for 2023. Maybe you have your own personal fitness goals. Maybe you want to spend more time on the court, but you just haven't had quite had the right equipment to bring out the best in yourself, well, our friends at Tennis Point have you covered. You go to tennis-point.com today, you'll find everything you're looking for. Shoes, clothing, rackets, strings, pickleball equipment, you name it, they've got it, and so much more. Go there today. Use our promo code CR15 to let them know we sent you there, but also use that promo code to get 15% off all sale items. Free two-day shipping on all orders, exceeding $75, and best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty tennis balls tennis dash point symbol not the spelling tennis dash point.com the promo code is cr15 with all of that said let's get into it some final world tennis league thoughts i'll tell you this if i never have to see another complaint about the orange courts about the difficulties of seeing the tennis ball while watching this wtl action unfold i think we'll all be better for it like shout out to world tennis league Well, I actually don't know if it's a shout-out. The moment you start responding to negative tweets and shout-out to World Tennis League in the sense that they responded to every criticism of the court color they received on Twitter, that's very classy by them, but boy, did that put a lot of negative uh, negative tweets into my feed. And yes, I'll tell you this, I was extraordinarily annoyed by them in the end. Look, folks, it's December Tennis. Like, yes, of course, aesthetically moving forward, it would be better if the courts were a color more conducive to seeing the tennis ball that is being hit because the tennis that was being played at the World Tennis League, while not of Grand Slam intensity, was certainly exciting and certainly featured plenty of players who you would want to focus on, who you would want to have the opportunity to enjoy as tennis fans here in December. But a couple of things. All the... And I mean, this is just a byproduct of social media, right? It's easier to be negative than positive about things. And there are times when we should point out, you know, justified, there, there are moments of justified criticism in any sport, in any event that we're doing, but like the negativity surrounding some of these EXO events, and I'll just call him out by name. And I would say this to his face, like, Noah Rubin's ability to make a glass-half-empty perspective on anything going on in the tennis world, his ability to find the line of criticism in anything that's happening in our sport, it's just exceptional. Like, I guess, shout-out to Noah for that ability to, again, find the negativity where there should only be positives. But the fact of—like, again, there's a legitimate line of criticism that's saying the tennis off season is too short, that maybe less tennis on the schedule would be beneficial because, you know— Shout out Joseph Stalin. Quantity is a quality. Not shout out Joseph Stalin. That didn't feel right. Leave it in. Super producer Daniel West up. But his quote, "Quantity is a quality within itself." To some extent, that's true. But also, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder uh, is another all true. Another. Line that we have all heard over the course of the years, and perhaps had tennis completely disappeared in the month of December, maybe we would be that much more excited for Australia to begin in January. Certainly, the presence of tennis on the calendar in December isn't going to deter any hardcore fans. I'd also say this if you're not interested in watching tennis in the month of December, if you need to take a break yourself. Don't feel obliged to turn on tennis channel. Just don't watch the tennis as as it's unfolding. Or you know, if you're so, aghast, and you find these players, these tennis pros, taking money grabs and going to play these EXO events and earning these exorbitant sum of you know uh, of appearance fee dollars for going to play these events. If that bothers you for some reason, because you think the effort they're giving, uh, give the effort they're giving, given the money they are making, is somehow a negative thing for tennis, like, don't watch. No one's pointing a gun to your head and saying, hey, you have to watch the tennis unfold here in the month of December. You have to be locked in to everything happening at the World Tennis League. That's just categorically untrue. And, I mean, again, shout out to the players. You know what every human in life likes to do? Make money. And if someone's going to come to you, I understand there are ethical uh, obligations, qualms and some people would not accept any money from any royal kingdom royal family of Saudi Arabia given some of the human rights issues they have in that country and boy is that underselling certain things or you know again maybe whatever it may be you just don't want to watch tennis in the month of December no one is forcing you to do so and to speak that I just don't understand why you'd focus on that negativity in the moment, why you'd feel the need to announce that sort of negativity towards this event. Why can't, you know, again, you're allowed to not watch the event, but if someone wants to enjoy World Tennis League, you're going to hold that against them. As a tennis fan, you're saying, hey, your enjoyment of this is actually endorsing this, and by endorsing this, you're hurting our sport long term. That's asinine. That's just a ridiculous line of thought and it's sort of a straw man because there weren't that many people spewing that belief, I suppose, on Tennis Twitter over the course of the past month. But there were more than there should have been. And so I just wanted to take the time to address that. And again, I understand Noah has his beliefs about how what's best to grow the game of tennis. God knows he's built a platform on it behind the racket. Go check it out. And all these different things. If you want to hear Noah's extended thoughts on where tennis goes from here, but like, I just think it's silly to. I just think it's silly to always be focusing on the negative aspect of any part of the sport. And you know, again, since we're t- pointing out Noah, let's point out names here specifically. Like, I, I just do you always have to criticize everything? Renee Stubbs. Like, I think Renee Stubbs is one of the best voices in professional tennis commentary. I think she is exceptional in the booth, and she's always been someone who. In her mind, calls it like she sees it. She's not. She's gonna say what's on her mind, no matter the circumstance, no matter you know what, uh, no matter what the scenario is. And I respect the hell out of that. I always say, it's one thing to have these beliefs, but you better have the confidence in your convictions to speak on these things publicly. And no one can deny that Renee Stubbs has the confidence of her convictions to speak them publicly. But just the negativity that sometimes surround this World Tennis League. Like I thought it was outstanding, and Again, just a few scattered thoughts here on the actual tennis we saw unfold, as opposed to me just uh, ranting about people who have said things on Twitter that have made me upset. And it's been nice to unplug a little bit from tennis Twitter over the course of the past week and a half while I have been hanging out with my family. The tennis itself was awesome. Like A couple of quick takeaways. We'll rapid fire. Iga Swiatek is the unequivocal world number 1 on the women's side. Heading into 2022, the math says so and I'll tell you what, even in exhibition play, the eye test says so as well. She crushed Pavluchenkova, she crushed Sabalenka, you know, she very comfortably beat Caroline Garcia. And then she lost in that final match, though, to Elena Rabakina, and that leads me to part two of my observations on the court for World Tennis League. Iga's the unequivocal number one, and her best on any surface is as good, if not better, than any other player in the world right now, but I'll tell you what, on an indoor hard court or on a quicker surface, Elena Rabakina, she's got tier one talent. There's no denying that. And if you've been a longtime listener of the Mini Break Podcast, you know we have been on the Robachna bandwagon, not just last season when she won Wimbledon. We go all the way back to 2019 and 2020. And if you followed her at the start of 2020, oh my God, was she exceptional. I mean, she went 29 and 10 overall in that 2020 season. Her age 21 year, which obviously got slowed due to COVID, but right off the bat, she made the final Shenzhen got knocked out by Alexandrova. She wins Hobart. She loses third round straight sets to Ashley Barty, but after that, goes and makes a final in St. Petersburg, makes a final in Dubai, makes another final in Strasbourg to end the year. She just has non-negotiable weapons. She is a member, unequivocally, of Serena Williams Power Tennis Country Club, and I want you all to think to yourself, how old is Elena Rabakina? Is she 25, 26? She must have just won a Grand Slam, so she's in the prime of her career. Right? Wrong. Elena Rabakina turns 24 years old in June of this year. June 17th. Shout out to June 17th. Hey, that's really funny because I have a cousin who was born on June 18th. Shout out to my dad, June 19th. Shout out to Uncle Mike, June 20th. Shout out to Aaron Fisher my cousin, who I believe is June 22nd. I think Lexi Finkelstein, shout out to my cousin, is June 24th. Emily Fisher, I'm fairly certain, is June 25th. June's a big month of birthdays in the Gruskin household, but now I'll add Elena Rabachna to that list of birthdays I'll remember. Here's the broader point, though, beyond the birthday. 23 years old. I think she's just scratching the surface of her potential. And I think she is one of the tier one disrupting talents. Now, I think I got to start speaking about her as I do Arena Sapalanka. Because you look for Rabakina, over the course of the past three years, she's held 76.8, 76.4, and 78.2% of the time over the course of the past three seasons. Last year, that hold percentage ranked fourth on the WTA Tour. But again, over the course of the past three years, she has been a top 10 server. She has those elite weapons, those non-negotiable things that will keep her in any match that she plays, and then it's the sneaky athleticism. She moves extraordinarily well for someone who's 5'10", 5'11", I don't think she's quite six foot, but she is tall. Her first step is explosive. Her ground stroke fundamentals are exceptional. It's not a big backswing on either wing. Yes, it can get a little flat. Yes, she can get a little slap happy, but she's never overwhelmed by anything. Not by pace, not by, I think, moving her to the outer angles. Every match is on her racket, on her terms, and that's what you ask for out of a best player in the world. And right now, Elena Rybakina, again, 21 years old. You look for her last year, 40-21 and 21 overall on the season. The only title she won last year was at Wimbledon. Now, she did make an Adelaide final. She did make a Portorose final where she lost each of those matches. But if you ask me over-under, 21st in the world, considering she got no points from that Wimbledon title – I'm going to take the under. I think she—and by that, I think she finishes better than 21st in the world. I think she should be a top 15, dare I say. I—lock this in. It's an early prediction, folks, and I want one of you listeners— And I know that I'm not going to call out any specific names, but there are a few I'm thinking of in my head who I know are going to keep me uh, honest and will actually take the time to call me out and say, hey, remember this prediction you made early at the start of the season? Well, I'm going to ask one of you listeners here today to do that for me if you can once again later in the year. All right, I'll just say Archit. Am I saying it right? Archit Suresh, who... One of my favorite – just, Archie, I see you in my notifications, and I appreciate your appreciation of our podcast here at Crack Rackets. You've earned a shout-out on this show, my friend. And, again, if this at all makes that holiday season that much more enjoyable, shout-out to you. If I'm pronouncing your name incorrectly, call me out immediately on Twitter. But I believe I got it right there. Hopefully I did. I believe it's what? Archit Suresh, am I saying it right? If not, let me know because it's a name I want to say correctly. Point is, hold me accountable, my friend. I think Rabakina ends 2023 in the World Tour Finals. I think her weapons are that good. Yes, it's one match, a win over Iga, 3-1 and one in a championship match on an indoor hardcourt surface that ultimately means nothing, but I'm just all in on Rabacchina this year, and you look at the matches she played. She beat Sabalenka in three sets after dropping the first set, six love. She played some fun doubles early in the week as well, and then the big win over Ego. I'm just, I'm all in on Rabacchina moving forward. That's one of my scattered thoughts I wanted to offer. I'm also, and this is not a hot take, and we're going to do this one much quicker than the Rabacchina one. Did you watch Felix during the course of that event? Felix, who over the course of the week gets a win over team, six and six, gets a a really nice win over Zverev, four and three in the final. He's Djokovic aside, I think Felix is the best indoor hardcore player in the world. And again, Djokovic doesn't count because he's in a different stratosphere. He's immortal amongst us mere mortals. I think Felix is the best. We saw that at the end of last season. I saw nothing in the month of December to deter me from the fact I think he's in for maybe even taking another jump. If you thought. Maybe he was Tier 2 coming out of 2022. I think you'll be like me in the camp of he's going to be Tier 1 coming out of 2023. And again, he has always been someone to me who I will be shocked if we leave the 2020s as a decade without Felix having a Grand Slam title. Lock that in as another prediction for all of you tennis fans. The last one, uh, tennis-related thing from uh, World Tennis League, WTL. That's how you say it. Acronym, shout out. Um, I think Zverev's back. I think Zverev's going to be just fine heading into Australia. Now, it may take him a month or two to become the unequivocal top five guy that he really has been over the course of the past, I don't want to say five years, over the course of the past two and a half years. I mean, again, it's a guy who's constantly in Grand Slam second weeks, who's made Grand Slam finals, semifinals. I do think he was going to beat Rafa, as I've said repeatedly, in that Roland Garros 2022 semifinal. He looked healthy. He looked fit. Hitting the forehand on the run sat a little bit short and on an indoor hard court. Boy, did Felix make him pay for that. But again, that's against elite of the elite weapons and against Djokovic, against Seppi and some of the doubles. The serve looked great. The backhand is just so natural for Zverev. I think he's back. Um, Again, those are uh, Rabakina, FAA. Ega, I suppose, just looking like herself, and then Zverev's return to form. Those would be my four biggest takeaways on the court from WTL. And look, they took a swing with the court color. It didn't work. The product itself did, and I hope we get to see more team tennis moving forward. Obviously, we've always been fans, whether it's you know team ten, world team tennis, WTL, the IPL, which I think they played a few years ago. All these different things. Would it be better if you could? Highlight it more in a more central part of the calendar? Maybe. But we're still working. We're trying to figure things out. And I think the WTL was a step into the right direction. That's Scattered Thoughts number one. Again, going to be a shorter uh, podcast today. Scattered Thoughts number two. Go read Tennis Abstract's Tennis 128 series where Jeff Sackman did his best to list the greatest 128 players of the last century. Look, there are some bones to pick. I mean, Djokovic is four. Federer is five, Serena is six, Rafa is eight. That is blasphemy to people born 1995 or later like myself, right? The idea that one of Djokovic, Federer, Serena, or Rafa isn't the unequivocal men's or women's greatest of all time, we will always have qualms with that. Now, number one for uh, Jeff was Rod Laver. He makes a really good argument for him. Like, given the dominance of his generation in that era, yes, the numbers may not be as high as they are for Roger and Novak and Rafa, but go read the case. Go read the case for Steffi Graf, who he has at number two. And I actually, he's convinced me that Steffi might have had the better career than Serena because it it wasn't as long, but when Steffi was the best player in the world, she was unequivocally, the best player in the world, and some Steffi seasons might be the single greatest seasons we have seen in professional tennis history. I mean, Martina is just like ridiculous how many wins she has. Chris Everett, nine. Helen Willis, who I think was Jewish. Shout out to Helen Willis. I'm pretty sure she was. That's irrelevant to most of you listeners, but not irrelevant to me. She's at the number 10 spot. Monica Sellis at 11, and Bjorn Borg at 12. Those are like the high efficiency numbers. Those are the Nikola Jokic's of this list where you're just like, maybe they don't have the gaudy total stats, but... Boy, were they just more efficient and at their best, better than anyone else. I mean, again, you're going to get to read about people like Richard, uh, Richard Gonzalez, Pacho Gonzalez, I believe that's who he is. Ken Roserald, who is Suzanne Longlin. We hear about her court at Roland Garros. Maybe you don't know about her. Go read it. In Jeff's series, Don Budge, Fred Perry, all these names you see pop up on, on historical lists that they reference when watching Grand Slams. Jeff writes about all of them. He writes about all of them eloquently. We're going to have him on the show to discuss my biggest qualms with some of the lists, like Vika Azarenka at 46 feels a little too high considering some of the names he has behind her. Ferrer at 79, above Roddick at 80. That feels crazy, but, yeah, it's a really good series, and there are worse ways to spend your final days of 2022 than reading that list, so go check that out. Last but not least, Pickleball versus Tennis. People relax. That would be my first takeaway. It's like you don't have to. Ins- I know we're in the it's not to get whatever political. We're not in the era of polarization. Right. You got to pick your camps. You got to be team this or anti that or whatever it may be. And you've got to stake your claim firmly. I am this, not that it's asinine. Like, yes. Do I think pickleball is geriatric tennis? absolutely, from an actual playing it perspective. Do I also think it's delightfully enjoyable to play? 1000%. It's a quicker doubles. It's just, again, quick reactions, quick feet. You got to dump things low. You can put two hands on the back end if you want. You got to work on the volleys, work on the reflexes, work on the t- uh, the touch. Is the noise unbearable at times, the loud pinging and just how loud the sport may be if you're trying to play tennis and someone's playing pickleball next to you and you just hear the constant thwops of the wiffle ball and Uh, We have this, we have pickleball rackets and they're called Z5 graphites, which are kind of sick as hell because shout out to Prince Graphite, which I continue to use to this day. But like, okay, that doesn't mean you have to firmly pick. Like if you are pro pickleball, you are anti-tennis or, you know, that the fact that Jack Sock and John Isner and Naomi Osaka and Nick Kyrgios and all these people are participating in pickleball, Venus, Serena, all these people investing, that doesn't mean they're anti-tennis. Again, growth of any racket sport in my opinion is good for all racket sports. And maybe there will be a world where people are having their kids go into pickleball instead of tennis because financially it's just more suit or whatever the things. Pickleball becomes a college sport hypothetically someday. That's not the case right now. And like again, more prominent the more prominent racket sports become the better. It's you know, tennis channel has pickleball on the T V right now there's not much else going on in the month of December. And hey, Noah Rubin, you told me that this is a money grab. And you don't you don't want to see tennis in the month of December. You wanna see the tennis pushed aside in favor of something else right now. We'll we'll dare away from that. Well God forbid these tennis players in their free time go play another racket sport that inherently all of them are going to be exceptional at. Like just relax relax people there's plenty of space for both to exist now if it gets to a point where we're programming pickleball over tennis which again some would say to some extent that happens now I would argue that all the tennis is usually broadcast throughout the course of the day and then Tennis Channel pickles to pivot ball uh pivots to pickleball excuse me which again they're in the right to do like I just don't understand the vitriol that pickleball seems to Around, uh seems to rise it uh, seems to get out of tennis. I just I don't understand it. Like, again, yes, some tennis courts have been converted into pickleballs. In most communities, you can still go find an open tennis court in the beach. certainly in the Midwest. Every high school has tennis courts available for you. And yeah, that gets a little tougher in the winter when everyone has to move indoors. But yes, they will convert certain hours. Some tennis courts become pickleball courts. Typically, there are other hours in the day or there are other tennis courts still available to you. And I always like to think, okay, the grandpa or the dad, or sorry, I'm thinking, Hamid Benouni, my dear friend, best friend Dustin Benouni, his dad Hamid, who I also refer to as dad in life, because I feel like you get to an age where, you know, my parents raised me to have manners, Dr. Benouni, Dr. Benouni, but like, and now they're like, please call me Hamid, call me Debbie, which is his lovely mother, which I just can never do because they're still parent figures to me. So it's just easier for me to call them mom and dad, and they're okay with it. God knows they, they treat me like a son, so it, it works for them, um, I suppose, without the financial burden. Um, yeah, the point is, he, you know, Hamid loves pickleball, loves playing it, gets out, gets after it. It's, it's extraordinarily fun and yet in no way you know he watches it on YouTube does all of these different things and yet like that doesn't if anything i don't think it's deterred his love for tennis like i think if anything it's just reinforced his love for racket sports his love for getting after it getting out there and so yeah I'm Team Racket Sports. I'm a fan of pickleball and tennis. I think there's a place for both to exist. I don't think we have to be one camp or the other. I didn't do the best job of enunciating the arguments there. That's why I want to have this conversation with someone else as well. But like I said, a few scattered thoughts before we really get into the meat and potatoes of the 2023 season. With that said, again, David Kane. Ben Rothenberg, Damian Koos to talk about the players on the precipice of a top 100 breakthrough in 2023. All these fun pods planned throughout the course of the week. Shout out, as always, to the super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the job he does day in, day out, making all of that content possible. Shout out as well to our friends at Tennis Point. Remember, it's tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15, with all of that said, for our fantastic super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point, and from all of us here. Both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break. We'll see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.